You are now listening to Carly's Couch. I'm Carly. And I'm Lex. In this podcast, we discuss a wide array of topics about life and how to live your best life. Whatever that looks like for you. (laughs) Hope y'all enjoy. This week on Carly's Couch, we discuss if we're actually in charge of our happiness. And if so, how much? Hola, welcome to Carly's Couch. Good to see you for another Monday, another new week. We in this thing, boy. What is this? 232? 233? Oh, episodes? I was yeah. like, I have no idea what you're referring to. Yeah, it's been a minute. Look, we out here. <laughs> yeah, and before we get into this week's episode, um, I just wanted to ask you, Carly, if you had any particular thoughts around honesty in the last week. Like, has anything happened that you kind of had an opportunity to be radically honest or, or any examples from the last week? Man, it's so funny. Um, I've been telling Lexi ever since we started that I feel like every time we have an episode over something... Life tests me on that thing. And I don't know if it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy because I think it's going to happen or whatever. Regardless, um, first of all, I be lying. (laughs) That's the first notice. The thing that I noticed is I tried to track my lies throughout the day. And it would be like little things like that I be lying for no reason, unprovoked. Um, So I just laughed at those and then just readjusted them. But then I was able to have an in-depth conversation, like an intimate conversation with someone and share my feelings on something that I realized I have really been sugarcoating or shying away from sharing. And it felt really nice because it was received so well. And like, oh, damn, I didn't know my bad. Like, I'll do better. And oh, what well, you know, what can I do better, et cetera. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, so that's good. So for anybody listening, um, I looked before the episode to see if there's any particular comments, but I didn't see any. So if anybody else has practiced radical honesty or putting anything into practice from Um, Any of those type of tactical episodes that we do, uh, definitely let us know. Um, I think it is kind of like it piques your awareness a little bit. After you listen to something or talk about something, you kind of notice it, you know, for the next couple of days. So that's why I ask because sometimes I think it's easier after instead of when we're talking about it, trying to remember, you know, all the little things. So Mm -hmm. glad to hear that. Did Um, you? But we roll on. Did you have any experiences with Radical Honesty this week? Um, yeah, I just noticed, uh, especially like in emails and like work type stuff. Um, and I noticed places where I was not, like I was holding back uh, from saying a thing. Um, but yeah, I noticed it a little bit more too. Or Mostly kind of what you said. I noticed that the places where I would or could lie and like kind of thought about it a little bit more. Oh, Nice. Yeah, so definitely hit us um, because I have people like messaging me some about it. But yeah, leave comments. Um, Send us things if you see topics or hear interesting things that you want us to discuss or look into. So this week's topic um, was actually sent to us by Jason Quaynor. Shout out to him. I forgot. I should have put what episode he was on, but he sent me a podcast um, by John Favreau or something like that about happiness. And he was like, you know, this whole episode is fire. He's like, but specifically for you and Lexi, go to 48 minutes and 15 seconds or whatever it was of the podcast. And they were talking about happiness. And so that's where we kind of got the idea from this week. So shout out to Jay. So what was happening at that 48 minute mark? Um, the first thing when I went, cause I started to listen to it and I was like, nah, I'm just going to go to where he sent me to go to. Um, and they said, it was dry. yeah, I was, say, I was like, ah, I just don't, I don't have the brain, the Right. Uh, let me just get. Yeah, the I got points. the bandwidth for this right now. Yeah, let me just hit the hot spots, and um, I just pulled up to a question. It was like, you know, how much of our happiness do you think we're in control of? And I was like, oh, oh, this is spicy. Okay, I like this. And so then I started listening, and I'm a nerd, so I loved all the research and everything that they backed it. But it really led to this question because I feel like happiness is like so 
like people put so much weight on it in society. And it like even um I'm trying to think uh whatever that Beyonce song was, it's like, you know, what do you want for the future? To be happy. You know, that's what she said. And what it's song like, is that? Um Pretty Hurts. Pretty Hurts. Oh, I don't know that song. <laughs> that's my bad. It's a whole thing. But she um at the end she was like in the video. The visual, she was like in this pageant, and that's why it was like pretty hurts, and it was just about how like women, oh, yeah. yeah and at the end, and it was like, what do you want? It's like, I want to be happy, and I'm like, yo, like that's really a thing. Like people really live their life, like, oh, I'd be, be good if at the end of my life I could just say I was happy. Okay, so um, happiness is a big thing that in all pop culture and everything, like even in the Bible um, and government, the pursuit of happiness, all of those things, right? We act like this is uh, something that we deserve, something that we strive for. Um, but when we're talking about happiness, controlling it, all of these things, what, uh, how are we defining happiness? Just feeling good? Um, how would you define happiness? Or, um, or if they gave something, you know? And so, and so they, I think they did, but I don't think that was in my notes because I was like walking and like writing in my phone. Um, and I should have definitely Googled the definition because I was about to be real basic and be like, you know, happiness. Um, <laughs> um, ooh, I would say a feeling of, um, uh, well, I think happiness and joy are different. So I don't know about that. Do you have a definition of happiness? Mm, I mean, if somebody just asked me what happiness was, I would say that happiness is like feeling content. Um, a general feeling of content, um, feeling good in a good mood, um, probably something to do with maybe like um, positive, you know, feeling positive, having a positive approach to things around you. Um, I think that's it. I don't think it may not be something like necessarily super deep or like a lot of different levels or anything more than that. It's an emotion, right? Or maybe that could be a discussion too. I think... Um, is happiness just an emotion or is it, you know, just like your um, your brain makeup, all of that, like, um, which is, I guess, going into what we're talking about is can you control that? Yeah. I think it's a secondary emotion, kind of like anger. I don't think it's like one of the big four emotions that all the other emotions stem from. I think it's like a stem off of either like peace or joy or what, whatever one of those things are. Um, but with with that thought... Do you think that as a society or like individually, like we put too much emphasis on being happy? I don't know because um, I've seen, I think I've seen people talk about that, like too much emphasis on being happy as if um, just like there's, that's not because it's not something you can necessarily control. So like you're spending a lot of time uh, trying to create something instead of like just kind of living it. Mm. Uh, but also it's like, I understand why, you know, happiness would be, uh, as big as it is, um, happiness is that girl. Because, like, you know, who doesn't want to be happy? And, like, when you watch things and uh, trauma or even just the news or other countries that maybe um, they don't have as many freedoms or there are more people that are hungry, all these things, right? Like, it's like, of course you would want happiness in your life. And, of course, you want to be content and, you know, waking up and feeling sad, angry, mad, not having what you need, all of those things. Like, I don't I don't think anybody wants that. So I guess it makes sense that it would be um, an important thing. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I think everybody does, like, if you deserve it, if it's an entitled thing or whatever, I think it should be. But I think that conversation opens up to 
people being like, all right, well, you have to own your own happiness and all that. And it's like, nah, it is kind of hard to be happy when you have certain circumstances and other things going on in your life. So um, I understand why it's the central piece of our life. Um, the last thing I'll say is that also uh, in marketing and advertising, though, it's about what are we putting that happiness um, into and like what are we basing it on? Mm. And so when we watch commercials and things that make us feel like we lack because we don't um, you know, our eyelashes aren't as dark or our hair isn't straight or, um, you know, whatever stuff like products and things like that. Or, um, you know, these beers and all these women on the beach and stuff like that. It's like, it's trying to kind of be like, this will make you happier. Mm -hmm. And so to think about it in that way, I think it has been used in a very much, um, like it's an oversaturated thing now because everything's about, you could be happier, you could be happier, you could be happier. And of course it's like, how can you be happy um, when there's so many things in front of you or like that's what people say about social media now and Instagram and all of that, that that actually makes us less happy because we have so much more to compare to, so much more to feel like we don't have, blah, blah, blah. So in that case, it's like it's kind of unfortunate that that's used to like make us always think about being happy. However, like, of course, I understand people want to be happy. If that, did that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. And I'm glad you brought that it took up. took a minute to get around to like <laughs> those couple different things. Well, I think it's it's like this big overarching topic, right? That, you know, our whole life is like, you know, well, does it make you happy or does he make you happy or, you know, whatever the thing is. But um, mm-hmm. I'm glad you got into how like advertising can, can prey on people's like insecurities about like, do I have enough? Am I happy? You know, or maybe the focus of the American dream is like, you know, I'll be happy when I get X or when I accomplish Y. But oftentimes like, the simpler the lifestyle, the the happier mm-hmm. people are. Like mm-hmm. when you take everything away, like you go, to, you know, you talk about these countries where people don't have things. I remember my my screensaver used to be these two boys in the Philippines, um, like little like uh, school kids. They had on little uniforms, but it was cool because one of them was holding this big giant banana leaf as like a little rain, uh, like umbrella, mm-hmm. and just pouring down rain. And they didn't have shoes on, but it was just like they were so joyful and looked so happy, mm-hmm. you know. And even though that's only a snapshot into it, like sometimes the people who have the least be the happiest. Yeah, and so that's why it's so interesting, and sometimes it can be kind of tough to talk about it because um, I think at a certain level you can compare it and say like somebody who might have less could potentially be happier, but probably not somebody who has less in a society that is more based Mm -hmm. on having a lot and, and more people do have and there's a bigger gap and things like that. And I think it's still kind of dangerous sometimes to like try to make conversation because a lot of people have grown up and now they equate like having money or having things is like that's a bad thing or like you can't be happy and all of that stuff, which isn't necessarily true either. Um, But what I think that that does illustrate is for that part so much that you do have control over when it comes to happiness um, without it being so tainted, you can definitely probably be happier um, and like tainted by like uh, commerce and all the things. Um, So yeah, it's a lot to think about. Like sometimes that simple stuff, you know, it also keeps you from like you can use your imagination and you don't need, Mm -hmm. but so much and all of that. But um, when you are saturated by those things, then it's, you know, it makes sense that you would maybe feel some kind of way, even if you technically have more than other people. Yeah. And I feel like we see that oftentimes or hear that at least in um, like celebrity interviews or people who are really rich, like, man, you know, I wasn't like, I was my saddest and my most depressed whenever I had everything. Like I had all the girls, I had all the cars, I had all the money, I had everything and I still wasn't happy, you know? And so I think it's just, like figuring out kind of like what actually makes us happy and recognizing that it really don't have 
um, I won't say anything, but it doesn't have everything to do with external factors. Mm-mm. But have has that ever happened to you? Because it's definitely happened to me as well, where it's like, um, I might have had a lot more in a particular area. And then for some reason, it's like, dang, like it really, I was like, yeah, people are really all right. Like it doesn't really feel better. Um, you can kind of sometimes even feel worse. You can still feel the same. Like, it's just like, dang, like things are a lot different. And yet I don't, it doesn't feel like, great necessarily or it doesn't feel like it matter or make a difference um although technically like it did um so I think that that is interesting and then that makes me want to ask the question then why are some people happier than others um because it might not necessarily just be having the things um as you pointed out but like what does that mean if if everybody's happy at like different levels um why is that um the first thing that came to mind, it was like, you know, I know some people's brains have imbalances, right? So like mental illness aside, like saying like, I very much understand that certain people's bodies and brains don't produce as the right type of hormones, you know, keep them regulated. But like outside of that, I wonder if it's um, like the person's level of fulfillment, because I've definitely experienced what you said, like you've had more and been like, damn, this really ain't it. Like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be or whatever. Um, and so I, I wonder if it's just like tied to someone's fulfillment, um, and what that means is like, do you feel like you are, you know, doing all the things you want to do and showing up the way you want to and, you know, being that best version of yourself or whatever your version of, it might not have nothing to do with any of those, but like whatever your own version of like fulfillment or success is, like, are you living those things? I think um, there's a lot of rhetoric around happiness is a choice. Um but then, you know, there's always that pushback, right? Like, I can see now on, like, Twitter, for example, there's a conversation around that. Everybody can be like, well, it's not a choice when this and when that and when that. Um, but I think when people talk about happiness and, like, sometimes when you listen to podcasts or read books and it'll be like, this person, like, lost their legs and all these things happen, but then they, you know, they still had joy and they did this and this and accomplished all these things. And there's so many, of like, those success stories or bootstrap stories where sometimes I think it's kind of pushing, like, different types of things. It's also, like... Like, that's cool for you, but also, you know, it's still hard to, like, be happy through particular circumstances. And so I wonder if, um, how you feel about that. Like, is it, do you think that happiness is people's choice? And that's why some people are more happier. Because um, we do know people, and even, like, maybe we could say us sometimes. I don't know if I really all the time. But, like, you know, you are trying to be more aware and do the thing, certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I don't really know if that's like choosing happiness. Like who's not choosing it? Well, but it feels like that for some people too when they're like not trying at all. Bro, I'm about to say because we we also know those people who like are not happy regardless. Yeah, like they're always bro. Like, you won the lottery. You got the finest bitch like in the world. Like what's your your you know or and she's like a great person, not just like a nice I'm body. Like, Dang, I'm let that I go. Like, you know whatever. But like <laughs> but like you know whatever the thing is is like you get all the things and you're still not happy. Right. Like or, or or even like when good things happen, like they're they kind of like scoff at them and people's reactions. But what I what came up in my head is I do think that to a degree, happiness is a choice um, because you can always choose to see different sides of things like the life we live is based on how like the story we tell ourselves about it. So, yeah, but sometimes like, you could tell yourself stories and you don't believe it. But I mean, I know there's there's more to that. Right. Well, and getting to there. But like, remember, um, so Lexi and I taught um, at the Navy, like we were on base, like teaching their leadership team. And then the whole story about the man with the son and the horse. Mm-hmm. So like his son, um, and you might have to help me because I'm about to butcher this terribly, but this man had a um, a son who, who had a physical disability or something like that. And he was like, oh, 
you know, your son can't go or he had a dis- disability. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go to war. So then they were like, no, because he had a disability first. Like people were like, oh, you're you don't have good luck or whatever. But then when they had a war and the kids got drafted, but he couldn't get drafted. They said, oh, wow, you must have great luck. Um, but what was it he was saying in between? I, I feel like that was I don't know if that's more about being happier. Like he just maintained like a certain well, level. But- so and so that was my thing. That was his choice because mm-hmm. he could have looked at and so basically it was like these oh, bad situations. But he could have been as dramatic as all these people around him, like, "Oh, you, you know, you have physical disability. That's the end of the world." Or like, "Wow, like, you know, that's such a blessing that you didn't have to go to war." Or, I think he would say, "Like, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't." Yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah, and then stuff kept happening to where it's like, you know, life is basically it's always up and downs and. If you can find a way to stay pretty even through that, right? Like maintain a perspective that I don't know if it even is about necessarily focusing on the positive as much as it is just being like, you know, this is life accepting, you know, what what is and not placing a label of good and bad on it. And perhaps that does make you happier and make you feel happier when um, I guess that's kind of like the um, what is it that um, not the Dalai Lama, what's that man's name? Who did the laws of success, Deepak? Chopra. Was that Deepak? Yeah, so like kind of like a Deepak where you're talking about like um not judging at all. Um, you know, to not judge really just means you're not trying to say this is a positive thing, this is a bad thing, this is a good thing, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, which we do all day when you really think right. about it. So if you could do that less, then I don't want to say you don't care about things, but like you're not as affected, as affected. by things more than you need to be, because that's kind of just projecting like a lot more onto just the every little piece instead of like just letting everything like unfold. Um, So I I can see how that, I feel like that would make somebody be a happier person in general when you're not so affected by, um, you know, all the little things of life. And what I'm learning as someone who has placed high emphasis on being happy and doing, chasing the things that fulfill my spirit and all those, I'm very much that person. But what I've learned is, it's like less about trying to find the up and more about trying to find that balance. So so trying to be less affected, like up or down, like, you know what I mean? Just trying to maintain. And that's like when I find myself most peaceful is what is what like to exactly what you're saying. But that's literally what I've learned on this journey of me actually trying to like find my own mm-hmm. happiness. Yeah. And that's not even just like trying to ignore feelings or be like, oh, it's not, you know, you don't have to be like, oh, it's not that bad to bad things. And like, oh, you know, it's just whatever to good things. It's, you can really enjoy those moments or feel in those moments. But then like if you feel it, move through it and like kind of accept it. It's just, I don't know. I think it's just more like a slight wave instead of like up, down, up, down, which um, we probably all know people who are super up and down like that. Um, and it's not, yeah, it's a lot. It's chaotic, I would say. Um, so Carly, talk about how you um, found, I guess this was part of that podcast as well, mm-hmm. but like stats that show how much control or like that there actually is like an equation to how much control you do have over your happiness. And we can um, talk about that and if we agree with that. For sure. Um, so do you want to, if before you saw the stats or any of that, like mm-hmm. what percentage, like one to a hundred, like one, zero being like no control, a hundred being complete control. What percentage do you think we have over our own happiness? Like individually? Um, I would, I, I would think maybe 70 to 85%. Look, I was betting 80 to 90. That was mm-hmm. bad. And that was like my thought. So, um, I was listening to this podcast and no, for, sorry, <laughs> real quick though, for me, I was thinking that, um, Maybe I would say there's like a 10% of it that might be like control, not controlled by, yeah, controlled by like just what you might not be able to change. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Excuse me. And then I think no matter how like Zen you are, like you're still affected by life and stuff. So maybe like a little bit there. But then, you know, I, I said the 70 to 85 because like I think maybe if the person is super like is aware, you know, trying to do the things, whatever, and have the perspective and all the stuff we were talking about that sure you could be in control of at least that much. And that's a great point. And I'm glad you said that because I think that there are some people who probably have 20% control of their happiness because that's what they're choosing to own. Um, before I'm reading these like stats. Like it might could be different. Um, like it could be different from different Oh people. yeah, different different people because like, like I said, like um, anybody who watches constant news cycles and is always like, oh my God, Cass, and ah, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. like anytime you let anything outside of you dictate things, like you're giving up your own power. And so someone who I say is 20% in charge of their happiness is obviously giving that away to somebody or something else. Mm-hmm. And then probably blaming them, but not recognizing that they have their own agency over those things. Um, but when the podcast on like the 48 minute mark, um, it was <laughs> a talking about how much control do you actually have? And so these researchers, um, the main one, is Sonia Lubromirsky. Um, but there's a couple of other ones. And it was a guy from Harvard that was on there. And it's like the Institute of Happiness. And they've been doing these tests for years. And so, drum roll, dun, 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 50% of our happiness is inboard, meaning genetic, temperamental, and we're essentially born that way. 50% of your happiness. Okay. of your happiness is based on your current life circumstances or station, like what's going on. So you hit the nail on the head for that one. And then 40% is under our control. Yeah, you hit that thing right on. But 40% is under our control. So like our own agency building through strong relationships, meditative, contemplative practices, exercise, healthy eating, et cetera. So 50% is genetic and like we're born that way. 10% is based on current life circumstances. And then 40% is under our control. So does anything about that surprise you? Very much so. Because I, um, as someone who, on my journey, I just believe I have control over as much as I can control. Like, you know, there's always that 10% or whatever, but like, I always respond how I can. Like, I was like blown away. I was like, damn, that's crazy to me that 50% of our baseline happiness, but it makes sense, right? But it's just mind blowing to me to see the numbers, but like logically I get it, but still crazy to hear it. Do you think that to accept those numbers that could help you feel like you're doing better or that you're happier, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we talk about like when you're kind of aware of, you know, the whys or different things that maybe it's like, maybe it'll, it, it doesn't, like it feels easier to be like, you know, oh, I can accept, you know, a little bit of unhappiness or like my demeanor or whatever. You think that would help to know that? I think it could help a lot of people if they, um, because I think sometimes like we don't have anything to compare our own happiness to except for maybe other people or what we feel like we should be doing or how happy we should be when certain events happen. And that can cause you to feel like a type of way, like maybe something's wrong with me if like, you know, something good happens and I'm just like, woo, instead of like, oh my God. So I think it could be helpful in the sense of like, oh wow, maybe this is just the way that I am and it's enough. Like it's okay that I have these reactions. Like this is my base level of happiness. You know, for people who might have been working really hard to try to feel more, try to be happier, I think it could be like kind of a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. And my other question would be, do you think that the more controlling a person is over their life that they're probably less happy? Like, would you correlate those like to have to have less control or like accept less control? You may be happier. I think so. There's probably some caveats to that. I I would say definitely, definitely some some nuances. But I, I do think that our degree we try to control things like the more like control you the more you're gonna be up in like, arms when things don't go your way like uh, now, this is why I said that you sorry to cut you off you just made me kind of remember what you had said 
was that, um, well, I'd like to think that I could control my happiness. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, hmm, so maybe to not try to control it or to accept less control of your happiness, do you think that could make somebody feel happier? I think so. And um, what I'm not accept all that responsibility. Exactly. Not accept the responsibility. But for me, it's, it's more about like um, not controlling the things that make me happy, but controlling my reaction to them. So like, you know, life gone life and it can be great or it can be it can suck and, and different things. But as long as I'm able to maintain my like midline, that's what I mean by like my my happiness. Mm-hmm. But I do think people who try to like are very tight knit on how things have to be for them to to appear a certain way or to feel good about something like absolutely. Um, if you start to release some of that control and just let life unfold, your happiness level could increase. Mm-hmm. And then based on what you heard on that podcast, um Tell me if this is right or not, if they said something else. With these numbers, the 50%, 10%, and 40%, that's like an average of a bunch of people? Or is it like everybody has a different formula, but like they have that formula? You know what I mean? So and it could be different numbers. I, I, I think it can probably be different numbers um, based on, and like I had in my own words, I was like, the 50% is genetic, but can't be changed. I'll tell you all about that later. But um, I do think on how much, how self aware a person is, how willing they are to change, how willing they are to grow and to accept things and be open. Like I think that you can be vulnerable and work on themselves and stuff and, and eat right and take care of themselves. Like I think that the numbers could skew, but in their studies over these past 84 years or whatever it is, like that was like the general numbers, like 50, mm-hmm. 40, 10. Um, but the baseline that they were talking about, they called a hedonic treadmill or hedonic treadmill. And so the theory, um, and that's scientifically proven, so it's not just an unproven theory, and there's a bunch of research. So if you search hedonic treadmill, that everyone, every one of us has a general happiness level and that no matter what happens in our lives, like good or bad, that we're all going to come back to this general level of happiness. So that equation also is... Um, so like whatever your genetics and all that are, if that makes up for 50% of, of controlling your happiness, um, then whether you're, you know, at this part of the scale or at the top or whatever, like they're saying that what, wherever you are with those things is your base. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. Mm-hmm. So it's like the 50% is like here. And then let's say, you know, you, you do exercise and take care of yourself and you meditate and you have great relationships. So maybe that would raise it a tiny, you know, a little bit, mm-hmm. but then that 10% can get it to go up or down depending on whatever's going on in your mm-hmm. life, but that we all have a base level, um, that we return to. And they did a study with lottery winners and then people who were in life-altering car accidents over years. So it's a lot of people over a span of years. And they looked at their life before and after the event. And so they took like a baseline happiness level of like prior to either winning the lottery, you know, big win, or like a life-altering car accident. And they said that on the onset of the acute, like either lottery win or car accident, their happiness level either skyrocketed or dropped down and lowered. But then within a year that every single person in the study came back to their pre, you know, Mm -hmm. accident or pre lottery winning happiness level. Yeah. Which kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, um, I think like, okay, maybe somebody, um, you know, overnight they're like a celebrity and then they make millions of dollars. But then I can imagine like, oh, well, if you're a melancholy person or, you know, and how a lot of artists be and stuff, having issues and things a lot of times too. It's like, you can see how like, despite all of that, you still kind of can become like, you know, be like a melancholy person, um, even with even more resources and all of that. Um, and this also makes me think about um, this question. In my head, I was thinking, hmm, do I feel like I've always kind of had a similar like demeanor throughout my life, you know, like a kind of certain way of being that I could recognize 
that is maybe something that's been like a baseline. Um, and with those numbers of like 10% of it being like environmental, what's going on, I could see that being, you know, those big things that may happen through your life or family stuff or, you know, any circumstances you might have shifted from whether it's up or down from that. Um, but in general, I think I can identify like I've had a certain kind of slight demeanor, like even from through childhood, especially like teenage years, you can kind of start to really have more memories and and through now of what like a baseline of mine could be. Um, do you feel like you recognize like a certain baseline that you've kind of had throughout your life? Absolutely. I was about to say, yeah, like little CC to now, I, I, I definitely see a correlation. And I also see how as I've really worked on my 40%, like how it's risen. Like I, mm-hmm. I can tell the difference of like a baseline happiness. And as I've done that work and healed and like learned to let go of stuff, of how that baseline has risen a little bit. And like even no matter how good or bad that 10 got, like I do stay around like a certain level. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the 40% and like the self-work and all that because I think for a long time, I don't think it's not like I had anything to be healing from, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like I didn't have anything, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I, so that's what I'm thinking like as a kid and in a space where you also have like, despite, you know, all of those things, like what is that genetic piece that seems mm-hmm. kind of similar in general? Like you're in general, you're always kind of a little... What's them little bit of demons that you're always going to be kind of fighting? Like, yeah, like when at, at those moments, it's kind of similar. And so I, I do actually recognize those things that's like, I don't really have no reason to have been like that necessarily, but like that, that's just kind of how I am. Yeah. And then also I thought about how um, there's so much studies and things that I hear about uh, pregnant women. And, you know, one of the hugest, hugest helps is like how much stress and how you can regulate your body as a pregnant woman because of how that really goes into the child. And so there's, um, you know, imagine like even right now, like after pandemic, all the things going on. And I guess every era has like all of these stressors and it's different things. Um, but how much that affects us, um, thinking about maybe what were the stressors during the times of, um, our parents' lives or when they were having us or, you know, other things they're going through on top of, you know, those genetic things, which also a lot of times um, at my age, we don't even really know all of that stuff mm-hmm. um, as far as like what were the genetic genetics of people in our families. So it's so many things that can add to that where it's like you really, when you come out of the womb, it's like you coming out hot with like <laughs> whatever's going on and um which is always kind of why people be like, man, I am not asked to be here. Like <laughs> I had no control over like 50% of it. Um, so maybe kind of thinking about that is, is interesting, but um, yeah, that's one of the things I fear about. Like if, if I were to have children, it's like, all right, I, I think my biggest concern is like, how can I be like in the most peaceful state possible? Um, like at all times. And I know I'm super fight or flight. So like, um, yeah, that would be interesting to think about. Yeah, it's so funny because I'm such an excitable person and I really have been like this my whole life. And so just noticing, like you said, those threads. But I also think about that with kids too. I'm like, man, I know I'd be working on like self-regulation and all this stuff, but because I have a couple of like really close like friends that have gotten pregnant or about to have babies and all that. And I'm like, damn, they really like, they living this in real time. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is generational curses and generational blessings and things in that womb right now. Yeah, yeah, that, it all accumulates. So if the 50% is genetic, 10% based on like just life and what's going on, and 40% is under our control, Carly, so is there any point in really, and this goes back to our very first question, trying to focus so much on like trying to be happy, um, whether that's like different practices, whether it's like, you know, trying so hard to like, let me gratitude journal and think like this, do this, do all these things, and like just focusing on it so hard. Is there really any point, you know, if we don't really control it, 
according to science, like as much as we might have thought we did? I think so. I think that even if you can't control your 50, like your 50 is enough and you're 40% working on yourself and doing these meditative practices and healing and exercising and doing the best you can for yourself will help you be in the most peaceful state that you can possibly be in regardless. So that whenever that 10% of life inevitably happens to you, good or bad, you know, that you can regulate for yourself. Like that 40% is really for you. You can't really do too, too much about the 50. You can do a little bit, but not too, too much, right? Like let's say about the genetics, but you can work with what you got and always improve on that. So it's like, why not work to, you know, be the most peaceful? Maybe not the happiest, maybe not aiming for the sky on that, but maybe at least the the most peaceful that you can be. Mm-hmm. I feel like I agree with that. And I also think about that we're like trying to, and there's something too that I'm not sure how to like really have the discussion around it, but like the whole kind of thought about like when you're trying so hard to do a thing, you know, it's like not you're not doing it because you're trying so hard mm-hmm. type thing. And so I think this is probably getting real unbothered soulish. Um, not unbothered soul. What's the name of it? Untethered. untethered. <laughs> unbothered. That's, that's, that's going to be book. my book. Yeah. <laughs> um, the unbothered soul. Um, and untethered soul gets real like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, even know how to explain Ooh, Like kind of deep. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's like it makes sense. But again, like that's the only thing I'm thinking about when it comes to this, right? And it's like, how much do you try versus like, I understand those practices. I think some of the practices do help. Like meditation does help gratitude. And sometimes you have to re like reset your mind, like try to catch it and grab it. But like at a certain point, I think there's like a level where it's like, now you're like doing more damage maybe than good. And I'm not sure what that is, but um, I think about that. Like when you're trying to be so productive, you're trying to be so this and trying to be so that, and you just be mad the whole time. Cause really you're just like setting up this, kind of weird expectation or um, kind of a bar that is like, it seems like you're not really making. That's a really great question. That might be a whole other entire episode topic because I need to learn that for myself too. But um, yeah, I'm learning on this journey that being is just as important, if not more important than doing. Um, and like sitting with yourself in silence is a lot, and resting is a lot of times more important than anything that you're actually quote unquote trying to do like for certain things. So I, I don't know, but that's a great yeah, that's a great thought. You know, that. I think it might be a really good practice. I think we've kind of did something like this with other emotions, or I know maybe we brought it up in different circumstance, but there are times when, um, like, you might be chilling or doing things, and to I think to label happiness a little more, I think we probably, and I guess this is me throwing this out there, it might not be true for everybody, but I feel like a lot of people probably label or quicker to label negative uh, type emotions or like, man, I feel bored. I feel sad. I don't feel loved. Like, you know, maybe because it's so like there, but like, I think perhaps we could try to in our content moments, really like label it better. Like, like I am happy right now. I'm content right now. I'm feel chilling right now. Like trying to label more of when you are feeling good. So you can maybe think more about like, actually I am pretty happy or um, instead of it's like, you don't think about being happy unless it's like some something extra, like, oh, these this cake or this, you know, like something really mm-hmm. going on. Um, and to consider that, oh, like you may feel some kind of way throughout the day, but like actually most of the day I do feel pretty good. So maybe trying to label it more could be helpful as well. And yeah. that's just a thought that I'm kind of having that that I think about. So that's gonna be our challenge for ourselves and y'all this week, uh, is to label those happy emotions and or those po- positive. Let me not even say happy; those more positive feeling emotions. Or anything I would say like that contributes to you feeling content or peaceful. You know. Mm-hmm. So do that. Um, hit us at Carly's Couch. Let us know what some of those things that make you feel more peaceful or content are. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna work on that too. Um, but 
the if you are like, man, you know, okay, I have my 50% genetic, whatever. But like, you know, is there a way to increase my happiness? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, So all of these studies... They were saying the the single most meaningful or the single most important thing contributing to people's happiness long term, like over the scale of their lives. And like I said, I think the study was like 84 years or something like across people's lifespans was their meaningful relationships. Um, and so they, they labeled it your social fitness. Um, and that's your ability to engage in productive personal and professional relationships, positively interacting with unit and command networks and using resources that promote overall well-being. I feel like we see that a lot and we hear that a lot, maybe in different ways and referring to different topics, maybe not just happiness, but that relationships really are your key uh, to life. Humans are social animals. We've evolved the way that we have in order to um, need each other and need community. And um, I see so many uh, like air quote successful people, people, whether it's successful in business or like in whatever they do, it's always like this importance on like, um, your family, your relationships, like those are key. Um, those can like make you or break you as you're on your journey and the like. So, um, and I've experienced maybe really only just in the last few years, like w- with having such a tight friend group through the pandemic, like we got all got really close because we weren't even all that close before that. Um, but like how much of a difference it does make in your life, like to um, instead of like, I would tend to have like just a couple close friends, you know, here and there. Um, but to really have a good group of friends or to have good relationships with people across the board, like, it's like, oh, I really don't feel crazy. Like talking to somebody in need or people actually talk to you and can be vulnerable. And it just feels like that connection really helps you to understand, you know, that everybody's going through things. Um, it's kind of the opposite of like the social media effect actually to where it's like, you might be kind of comparing and seeing this and seeing that and whatever, but like this is like a more real place where everybody's kind of a human. Um, and so those relationships can really help you to stay balanced and feel supported. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, so important. And so um, social fitness needs workouts. So practice on maintaining those connections and building them up. And if you don't have those, work on that um, in small steps. Um, but for the part of our happiness that we can control, there's a lot of the, you know, happy is like what they called happy habits, um, which are like working on having healthier thoughts, habits, like things that can be nurtured, acquired, or directly taught. So like meditation, all the contemplative practices, exercising. And I think that that goes back to what Lexi was saying earlier about writing down the things that make you feel happy, make you feel peaceful, make you feel more content, and trying to do as much of those as you can in your life. Like just building those in um, more consistently, I think will help a lot. So that, and this is all for like the part you can control, like how to raise the bar in that space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so build- I think that makes sense because it is a skill. I think most um, most of all of the things we talk about, like even their kind of emotions, it can be like a skill and something that you work on and improve your ability, like you were saying, to like at least kind of maintain a certain space um, or to regulate when you get below it or to recognize it. Um, et cetera. So it's definitely something you do have some control of. So it's like, why not meditate or why not, you know, eat healthier? Like the meal I just had obviously was crazy. I'm like down bad. Um, we had to, couldn't even start the podcast. I was in the bathroom so long, but, um, you know, healthy habits, happy habits, I think are kind of probably the same thing. Um, really things that are good for your body are going to help you probably feel better. Mm-hmm. And then this last part is actually about the genetic thing. And I'm, if I'm going to go off on a little woo-woo tangent just for a second, but um, mm-hmm. 
Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza and a bunch of other people in the realm. He's not the only person, but he's the one that I have the most experience and understanding with. He's a some type of neuro, like a brain doctor, but he also writes books. Um, and like Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Becoming super, or Superhuman, I think is another book. But he has like current scientific examples where they hook people up to all of these like um, things to their bodies and their brains and like people who have long-term illnesses and immune autoimmune disease and different things and have been able to improve their conditions through these meditative practices and healthier eating and doing things. So I think that there are ways you can actually expand your genetic ability for happiness and probably raise that bar a little bit. Um, you really got to work on it. You can do a lot of research on that on your own, but I do think it is possible to move your genetic bar up a little bit. So, Is that different from like the... like? His methods, is that different from the happy habits stuff? Or, I, I, he does do some other things, right? Yeah, but I think it's a, it's a, like a little bit like further on it. I would also add um, our episode that we did, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen about the ice baths because I've been reading even more about those and like ice baths and um, like Wim Hof and all. Talking about like the cold showers? And yeah, stuff. like cold showers, ice baths, and then also eating things like, um, like broccoli sprouts and all those like do things like release... Um, uh, better proteins in your body to eat all the free radicals that can become cancerous and different things. So if you're doing all of these extreme things to your bodies and doing that, I really feel like you can also expand your genetic one. But there's just a bunch of research into figuring out whatever ways work for you to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I added in here for us to discuss that I don't have any answers about, <laughs> like full disclosure, um, but I thought about it kind of last minute, Carly, was like, what about substances? Like, um, is that happiness when you are high and like maybe you're in a good mood or or is it like eh, that's not really worth it right or or maybe there's still like balances to like is it worth it versus other res- things that happen that may not make it as worth it but like medications um some people that will microdose or shrooms or acid mm-hmm. or things like that that really say like oh that really helps them and maybe that is less about the part we are supposed to control and more about the maybe the mental part other things um but alcohol even um, Prozac, like all the things, right? Like, what do you think about the idea of substances? And it's like, well, this could make me happier or maybe it does make me feel happier. And like, is that okay? Is it like, okay, do it, what you need to do? I say do what you need to do. I do have friends like um, all over the spectrum for this. So people who take mm-hmm. like anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants, like all of those things. And so for those people, their body's not producing enough hormone. And so that actually helps their genetic to produce it to help them right but you also think about it so 90% of our serotonin which is quote unquote like the happy hormone is produced in our gut and if you think about how horrible people eat mm-hmm. a lot of times you I can't my bro you a lot of times we can't even regulate our own happiness because we be messing ourselves up mm-hmm. eating crazy and drinking mm-hmm. all the time and not drinking enough water not taking care of ourselves and so like Getting zero vegetables rough and so like what's what's the difference in them taking that versus me like cleaning out my system so I can mm. actually fill my serotonin um I also have been done extensive research for microdosing and stuff and it has been shown to help rebuild neural pathways between certain emotions and help you be able to expand um, your range of emotions and fully experience things and heal from things. And so I, I think that there are so many things out there. Um, I, although I would disagree with alcohol. I don't think that that's healing. Like we know that that's a poison, but I think alcohol enhances whatever you are. Because when I was in college, 
and Young C had a bunch of unhealed trauma. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Sometimes you I like got a little like nuck if you butt. No, like something like why they, why they bumping into me though? Like why, mm-hmm. why am I doing that? But then I realized, I, like, cause I I really didn't drink a lot because I, obviously I was dealing with some shit. But like I got older and I would drink and I'm just like, oh, I'm just chilling. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Oh, I've grown a lot. Like, it just kind of enhances who you are. But I think, like, anytime you're using something as a crutch, like, oh, I can't be happy without X outside of, like, mm-hmm. you need a medication, right? But, like, if you're looking for it, like, this is the only way I'm happy, then you should probably examine that and try to figure out different ways instead of, like, using something to be the thing that makes you happy. Yeah. So a couple things about what you just said. One, also, like, marijuana, like, the... Um, a lot of the studies that are coming out now are saying like that's actually like super super bad. Like as much as people want to be like, oh, it's just it's a plant and this and that. Like there is a lot a lot of um, research and a couple of people and I wish I could think of the man's name. It might be Joe Dispenza, honestly. Um, if not, also Doctor Amen too. I think talks about it, but how um, it could really does lead to a lot of other like disorders later on. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say. Um, was I think that's a good point as well about health. I think because of so much like body positivity and like let people do what they want to do and live how they want to live, I think a lot of times the now the health conversation gets unhealthy, not unhealthy, gets um, a little more difficult to like kind of tiptoeing around. Um, but I will say that that is one of those things, right? Like people want to jump and by people we, like everybody kind of wants to jump sometimes to like a substance or to even mm-hmm. to a pill or whatever, um, and we haven't even gotten ourselves to a base yet. So it's almost like you're you're kind of blah. You could do a lot more like with your gut health, like your own habits, et cetera, and like get cleaned up and see how much better you feel sometimes just based off of actually getting a good night's sleep or actually taking certain supplements or um, eating much better um, to kind of self-regulate a little bit more to where you may not even need that and or you need something different um, or you see what you really need outside of what you can control. So I think still... Um, that 40% that you can control, and I, that's maybe not exactly correlated to happiness exactly, but like if your health is such a big part of that, um, I think that that is something that we could take a lot more accountability on. Um, I think my moods would even probably be like extremely different um, if I was even eating like a lot better. Like I think that does make a big difference. And at the same time, I can also say like I'm, I'm not about to eat probably any better, like, you know, in the next few days or anything like that. But like I, I would go that route before. Um, I super committed to like other things. Man, and I'm so glad you asked this question because I just saw um, an influencer I follow and she posted the other day about this like happy juice supplement, which is fine. I'm not dogging her, you know, for taking a supplement that she feels that she needs, but she's been like pushing it and like, you know, she has a code and she's like, oh my God, my life was this before and now it's this. And I'm like, but what happens when you realize that that's not the thing that was like messing you up? And like, you know, when you become so dependent on stuff, all I'm saying is, long story that didn't really make a lot of sense, but (laughs) don't become so committed to something saving you versus you figuring out really what's going on. Like treat the roots first and then figure out, but don't think that a bandaid is going to fix a gaping wound of something that's really going on inside of you, emotional health wise, whatever. Like, you know, our, our guts are our second brains and we do not treat them well. (laughs) And so like we all be a little bit messed up. Yeah, we, we really don't. Um, All right, that's our talk on happiness. How much of your happiness can you control? Um, I wonder if there's any kind of like test or something based off of those folks. You know how sometimes like podcast guests have like some kind of assessment or something, and I just just like an assessment. How about that, Google? um, I wonder if there's something where it's like, you know, think about like where you are on like a happiness level. Oh, no, that... um, 
Hank, she ain't never getting my book back. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but there is that book. Remember where I had like all the areas and you um, answer some of the quick things to be like mm-hmm. five, what your score was or whatever in all the areas. I can't even think of the name of the book, but like there's different things where you can kind of assess to see like, well, how do I feel? How how happy am I? Um, and see how much of that like maybe you can kind of take a hold of this week or see like when you feel like, you know what, I feel like this is just my baseline or whatever, like throughout the points that we've made, um, think about how that applies for you this week. And also look back at your life and see if you can notice a baseline similar how Lexi and I were talking about. Like even when you were little, like, you know, before we started the substances and all that stuff, or maybe you was wilding back then, but like, you know, thinking back that far too, because I think it's a little easier to gauge across it. Mm-hmm. Hit us at Carly's Couch, all the platforms. If you have topic ideas, we want to hear those too. Um, and then the question of the week. All right. Lex, if there was a sound that you could hear every time you either get a victory or, you know, had a loss, small or large, what would it be? Um, And you get to pick either a victory or loss in the sound. And if you need an example, think about like when Mario beats a level or when he dies or like when Sonic loses all his coins and then you can hear like the the sound. Okay. What is yours? Or did you already know? I did not. Oh, um, well, I'll just go with something quickly. I think I will... um, when I have a loss, I would want to hear wipe out. And <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes I say that I got that from Daria actually because she says it. Um, like if I when I stumble or I'm about to fall, something like, whoa, wipe out. Um, but that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, I'd probably do the loss as well. And actually, I'd be chuckling about the Sonic losing his coins, so I'll probably just stick <laughs> with that one. Because every time, like, whoa. No, he he doesn't oh, make a noise. Um, you just that's like a, Crash Bandicoot. But I, I had that. Crash. That's whoa. so funny. I had Crash Bandicoot on here. I was like. Wah, wah, wah. Mm-hmm. Like something like that. Something that would make me smile a little bit, make it like hurt a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But that also might piss me off. So we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. I think that could piss you <laughs> off too. Um, that's an interesting question though. Thank y'all for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Leave us a five-star rating, some reviews, some questions, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.